Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include total funded mortgage volume, my interview with Kyrnos' John Sayer on first quarter benchmarking data and production trends, and how many basis points do you think the Fed will hike the Fed funds rate at its next meeting? Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mobile-first technology for the modern mortgage lender. Nexus Closing makes closings a breeze. Automatic status updates and instant collaboration tools help borrowers confidently navigate the closing process. And features that support e-sign, e-disclosures, and e-closings increase productivity and margins. To learn more about Nexus Closing, visit simplenexus.com. For some mortgage information, Kiranos calculated that March 2023 funded mortgage volume decreased 53% year-over-year and increased 46% month-over-month. The average 30-year conforming retail funded rate in March was 6.36%, 19 basis points higher than February, and 238 basis points higher than the same month last year. The purchase loan season for homes and mortgage lending is ramping up. So I wanted to welcome back onto the show Kiernos John Sayer to share data on where we are seeing origination trends as compared to last year across different markets and products. Kiernos sources a statistically significant data set directly from lenders to produce these benchmark figures. So John, last time we spoke was in early January and you put a bow on mortgage and home equity lending markets in 2022 and gave us perspective on how things had changed from the prior year. And that was, of course, mostly bad news for the mortgage market and some good news on the home equity side. Now that we have the first quarter of 2023 in the books, what are you hearing out there and what headlines can you share from the Kiranos benchmarking data? Uh, sure. Uh, th- thanks so much for having me again, Robbie. It's uh, great, to, great to chat with you. And at this time of year, as you know, we have a few big things to watch. You know, first we have the drama of the NCAA basketball tournaments, which just uh, concluded, as you know. And then um, I'm thrilled to to be treated to the visual spectacle, really, of the Masters Golf Tournament. And then uh, those two epic events coinciding with what we care about, uh, the always thrilling thrilling, uh, home buying season. So at, at my home, there's a lot of interest in the basketball tournaments, a passing interest, uh, really, in the Masters golf uh, tournament. Strangely, not much notice around here about the home buying season, although I do have, Robbie, uh, three 20-somethings children, and hopefully they'll be homeowners uh, not too far down the road from here. Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, how'd your bracket turn out? I, I know uh, I know you had the 16 seed beating the one seed, right? <laughs> uh, not, no, I didn't. Uh, uh, maybe I could have pretended, but actually, I missed out on the whole bracket thing this year, mostly to save myself from another year of really bad picks. Um, I tend, Robbie, to pick the teams I want to win rather than those that um, that will win, so I don't tend to do very well with the uh, the brackets. Well, we both want the home buying season to win, but do you have any picks for the home buying season? Yeah, that's an interesting uh, topic uh, uh, before us here. Uh, I was just reading an article, uh, maybe you've seen it as well, uh, from Fortune Magazine around homeowners being, quote unquote, locked into their current houses due, you know, really to the fact that they're sitting on those two to three percent interest rates and 
and to move or sell their house, they'd be giving up those rates uh, and incurring a 6% rate, double uh, their current rate uh, to move. Uh, so uh, borrowers, homeowners really staying put. Um, if I hit my memory bank, this really calls to mind uh, many years ago uh, when I worked at Fannie Mae back in the day. Uh, we had a lot of discussion in some of those product development conversations around making mortgage loans portable. Uh, that is, you could take the mortgage with you uh, and just change out the house. Uh, unfortunately, that never worked out. Uh, certainly could have been useful now um, uh, for, for borrowers or homeowners to be able to take their mortgage with, them, with themselves. Uh, that said, it does uh, also make me think about um, uh, homebuyers that may take advantage of assumable, uh, the assumable, assumability feature of FHA loans. I think we forget about that. Um, uh, and I'll be really interested to hear. I haven't heard any, any uh, uh, noise around that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see um, if uh, a good measure of those FHA loans get um, assumed at some juncture. Given that inertia facing current homeowners and their unwillingness to sell or move exists, what's your first quarter data showing for this year? Uh, yeah, we're we're really seeing considerable variability from state to state and really product to product. Uh, and looking at both locked loans and funded loans, uh, if I had to pick a winning product, uh, I would pick FHA loans. Uh, and if I had to pick winning states, it would be Florida, Tennessee, uh, Montana on the radar, and, and Texas. Those would be, would be my uh, my final four, if you will. Um, this is really when we look at comparing the first quarter of 2023, what we just went through here, versus the same period uh, in 2022. Um, if you look at FHA loan growth, just in Florida, um, up 30% year over year. So uh, this growth uh, at a state level at some of the states for FHA loans uh, was the exception, but certainly a, a nice bright spot and, and kind of counter to everything else we're seeing across um, other areas. You know, I like those states because those are either no income tax or no sales tax states. <laughs> But uh, how about how about other states and other products? Yeah, I, we just went to Montana for the first time last year, and that's a, a beautiful place. Um, and apparently, a lot of FHA loans. Uh, but yeah, um, in terms of the other states and other products, um, you know, really consistent with that Fortune magazine article, uh, we're witnessing an overall contraction in purchase loan activity across conforming VA, non-conforming, and across uh, really all states. Um, again, really looking for that growth story. Uh, FHA is that uh, bright spot that we're seeing. And for those that may be new to this podcast or have missed our prior conversations, remind us where you source your data. Yeah, sure, Robbie. Um, Kiranos, uh, I work for Kiranos, and uh, we source our data directly from uh, our clients, uh, which really includes a, a wide spectrum of lenders. We have national banks, regional banks. Uh, credit unions, large and small, independent mortgage banks, um, they all send us uh, their origination data to, to use for benchmarking purposes. Uh, these, these clients of ours collectively account for the majority of the real estate lending market, I'd say, uh, bo both in first mortgage and as we've talked about home equity. It really gives us, I think, the, the so what here is it gives us a nice real-time view into the markets and, and trends. 
Uh, the cool thing for me also, I'll just mention, is that we're uh, benchmarking additionally now small business lending and unsecured lending. So tell me about some of the subplots you're seeing that might not be on everyone's radar. You know, I I, I have a weakness for buy-down loans. I, and being a mortgage banker, uh, temporary buy-down loans specifically. And, and this really comes back uh, from the day when I was a customer account manager again at Fannie Mae and I covered a, a, a number of builder-owned mortgage companies. Uh, I don't know if you remember CTX Mortgage is one of those uh, lenders back in the day. Um, it's been fun seeing uh, buy-down loans being rediscovered, quote-unquote, rediscovered by lenders uh, in the last six, seven months. And uh, home sellers uh, who are looking to provide concessions to help facilitate the sale of their homes. Uh, in November of last year, uh, Robbie, we saw really a, a high watermark of about 10% of conforming loans having that temporary buy-down feature. Uh, that's actually come down quite a bit. It's come down to about 5.5% in March. So about 10% last fall, down to about 5.5% here in March. Um, interestingly, we actually see a higher incidence of um, concessions on those high bow conforming loans, those jumbo conforming, if you will, uh, high balance conforming loans uh, in the last month, about 8% um, had buy downs. Gubbies, we're only seeing them running about 4% of buy downs, and that's a bit uh, down from last fall as well. I really think that's due to rates coming down a, a bit over the last couple of months. Um, it's clearly reduced the demand for buy down loans. Um, that said, uh, I really do think that monitoring buy-down activity is a really good indicator, a great way to, to observe whether home prices are softening in specific markets. Because, of course, if you have buy-downs, temporary buy-downs financed by home sellers, that's, that means they're giving concessions and maybe indicates a um, you know, softening markets. Sure, there's plenty of borrowers on the sidelines that are looking forward to a little more home affordability creeping back into the picture. But on, on the topic of concessions, just Kirinos have experience with concessions lenders may be offering to borrowers? Uh, absolutely. So you've got, you've got seller concessions, um, and then you, you have potentially uh, lender concessions. Um, this is on the radar for us big time. Uh, price concessions, as you know, where borrowers negotiate a lower rate uh, than was initially offered by the lender. Um, I really do enjoy working with our clients who really, they triangulate our three different data sets. So you think about it first, they're taking a look at the rate sheet or the go-to-market price. What's the sticker price on the car? What's my go-to-market price? Second, uh, what's that incidence and severity uh, of price concessions that are negotiated with the borrowers? How often does it happen and how much is conceded as really the second um, uh, area or data set. And then third, what's actually getting transacted in the market. So I almost think of it as a, you know, a stool or something with three legs. You got your go-to-market price, you got your concessions, and then you get your transacted rate. Um, everyday lenders are, are faced with that dilemma, uh, that decision-making around matching their you know, competitors' rates uh, to win business. I mean, but while trying to maintain margins and, and earn market share. So definitely a complex um, a problem, a margin management and volume management um, business problem to solve. Uh, generally speaking, uh, Robbie, I would say that we're observing 
uh, mortgage banks in particular are leaning more into concessions. Uh, mostly in the amount of the concessions, we're seeing the frequency of concessions up just a little bit modestly over the last few months, but we are seeing people lean into um, uh, the amount of concessions that are being offered here uh, recently. Okay, so you didn't pick the NCAA basketball tournament. Do you have a favorite for the Masters golf tournament? I'm going to say full full disclosure here. We're we're recording on a Friday, and Brooks Kepka looks like he's running away with it. Can you hold on? <laughs> uh, yeah, he's that's something else. I guess it's the live versus the PGA here. Um, it's a little subplot of its own. Uh, I, I love watching Masters, just the spectacle of it. Uh, whenever I can see that, or or of course at Tory. Um, a pebble beach as well but being in dallas um you know we uh, we pull for jordan spieth you know he was a, a great phenom to watch and then more recently scotty scheffler it's been fun to watch him in particular because our uh, two of our children went to high school with him although uh, we've never we've never met him uh also as a it's kind of fun because i always like to have somebody to root for colin morikawa um which who apparently has trouble marking his ball <laughs> but um, he's from uh, my hometown of La Cunada there in California. I'm a terrible golfer, but uh, I guess a great spectator. I guess in honors of the Masters Tournament, I I, I did have a, a couple of uh, facts around uh, mortgage originations this year in, in Georgia that I had uh, jotted down here. Uh, we'll take a look at them, at, you know, looking at loans funded year to date uh, through this last Sunday, uh, basically covering the first quarter of this year. And in Georgia, in Georgia, uh, for the retail channel um, only, we're just looking at the retail channel here. Uh, we're seeing an average loan amount of about three hundred twenty-two thousand. Fifty-two uh, percent of the loans being originated are conforming loans. About thirty-two percent government. So there's that big government number. Sixteen one six percent non-conforming uh, of our um, uh, the originations in our benchmark. Um, most. Everything's owner occupied, uh, about 3% uh, being non-owner, about 3% uh, being second homes. And just as a little side note, uh, if one were to have taken out a home equity in Georgia, home equity loan in Georgia, um, you'd be looking at about a rate of 8.5% and getting your loan closed in about 42 days. Well, after spending a bunch of time on home equity lending when we last spoke, we haven't touched on it yet. Any general trends to wrap up with in that space? Sure. Uh, kind of interesting here as well. After really a banner 2022 and and just a reemergence of home equity lending really back on the radar big time. Uh, honestly, 2023 is off to a, a bit of a slower start. Uh, home equity volumes uh, retreated a bit in the first quarter, down about 20%. This first quarter of this year versus the same period last year when things were really rocking, um, we saw this trend and emerge in the last late part of last year as, as interest rates went up. And of course, with home equity lines, um, a lot of those rates, uh, the lines, uh, the rates are variable rates. And you know, when you get um, higher increasing rates, that dampens enthusiasm for taking out lines. But we're still extremely, extremely bullish on the uh, home equity side. Um, good news for home equity lenders is that they've improved cycle times. Uh, that's the application to funding time period. They've reduced it about 20 days or so. So borrowers are getting their money faster, which is great, which helps them compete against uh, unsecured financing. 
And then uh, I always have a wrist cat uh, on, and, and, and I always like to compare the canary and the coal mine. Uh, we take a close look at loan delinquencies for, um, for these second liens as a lead, leading indicator, also looking at utilization rates on lines of credit to see if people need money suddenly that um, really sticks out. And I have nothing to report there, so no, uh, no uh, red flags at this juncture. Um, but we're keeping a close eye on especially delinquencies for some of the lower credits. We're kind of you know watching that pretty close. Uh, but nothing to report, um, fortunately, as a uh, strong credit concern at this time. That is good news. Well, I look forward to having you back on the show soon. And uh, thanks for making the time to talk to me today. I uh, appreciate it, Robbie. You take care. Thank you. We learned on Friday that non-farm employment rose 236,000 in March, which was in line with market expectations. The unemployment rate eased from 3.57% to 3.50%, even as the labor force increased. On the whole, the March jobs report continued to show the kind of job and wage growth that would justify another rate hike by the FOMC, though May's FOMC meeting will occur prior to April's jobs report. The report in its entirety is likely not weak enough to stop the Fed from hiking 25 basis points at the May 3rd FOMC meeting, and markets are now pricing in roughly a 3 in 4 probability of another 25 basis point hike in May. Other employment data has shown more deterioration. Job openings fell to 9.9 million in March and are down more than 1.3 million over the past couple of months as employers have adjusted hiring plans. Additionally, layoff announcements for the first quarter of the year were the highest since 2009. Jobless claims have also begun to trend higher. Both the Manufacturing and Services ISM PMI indexes fell in March, suggesting cooling business conditions. This week's data includes some of the first-tier variety, which could factor into the Fed thinking for the May 3rd FOMC decision, including the latest U.S. monthly inflation figures in the form of the Consumer Price Index on Wednesday, Producer Price Index on Thursday, with retail sales, industrial production and capacity utilization, and Michigan sentiment all on Friday. The U.S. Treasury will conduct the $90 billion mini-refunding from tomorrow through Thursday, while the minutes from the March 22nd FOMC decision will be released Wednesday afternoon. With many markets still closed globally, today should be another relatively quiet session. The U.S. calendar kicks off later this morning with wholesale inventories and sales for February, followed by March employment trends and remarks from New York Fed President Williams. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. We had to have the garage door repaired. The repairman told us that one of our problems was that we did not have a large enough motor on the opener. I thought for a minute and said that we had the largest one made at that time, a half horsepower. He shook his head and said, you need a quarter horsepower. I responded that a half was larger than a quarter and he said, no, it's not. Four is larger than two. We haven't used that repairman since. I might not use this joke person ever since. That joke was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the home ownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, incentive compensation, and business intelligence. To learn more about Simple Nexus, an Encino company, visit simplenexus.com. about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. 
Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.